Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, the 22nd of October, 2020. Today, I want to talk to you about the importance of getting tan. Now, I am not talking about a suntan right now. I am talking about a method by which we can study and understand the Bible, a method I refer to and have been taught to call the tan method. And again, it has nothing to do with the you know shade of melatonin in your skin. It has everything to do with getting into God's word. And tan, it just stands for then, always, now. And this is a, a way to study the Bible. So even in our partners program, we teach people how to study through books of the Bible using this as a method. But even if you don't use it as a method, it is a good principle for us to apply when we look at God's word. What did it mean then, right? These books today, for instance, Jeremiah was written by a specific guy to specific people at a specific time. What was he saying? And really, because we know that all scripture is inspired by God. What was God saying through Jeremiah to the people of Jerusalem and the people of Judah? And then we ask always, what is always true from this text? What do we learn about God? Because God, he is eternal and he is immutable. That's a theological word that means he does not change. So when we see God show his character, even in passages of scripture that were written thousands of years ago, well, he's the same God today that he was then. What is always true? And we also learn about what God's people should and should not do. And many of those things are always true. And then we get to the now, the now. What does this mean now? And that's where we should get specific. How do I apply this to my life today? Then, always, now. So, Why do I bring this up? Well, today there's one specific verse that you have no doubt heard that I want us to talk about from our reading in Jeremiah. Today we're looking at Jeremiah 27 through 29. And in this passage, one of the main things you'll see is Jeremiah interacting with false prophets. Uh, Even, you know, he makes this yoke and kind of says, prophesies about the nations and how the Babylonians are going to come. But then this false prophet uh, prophesies against him saying, we're going to break this yoke. And, you know, Jeremiah rebukes the false prophets. We see a false prophet die in this passage because they were lying in the name of the Lord. But Jeremiah is being faithful and Jeremiah is trying to tell them, no, you're going to be in exile for a while. And that's what leads us to chapter 29, where Jeremiah is writing a letter. Remember, he is in Jerusalem and the the exile kind of happens in stages. Some people had already been taken into exile, but the, the final destruction of Jerusalem hasn't happened yet where the temple is destroyed, but some people are already in exile in Babylon. Jeremiah, he is still in Jerusalem and he's writing a letter to the people in exile. And to summarize it, he kind of says, Hey guys, get comfortable and, you know, live your lives, get married, plant gardens, seek the welfare of your city, um, do all of these things. And then he gets to one particular verse, Jeremiah 29, 11 which says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Now that is a precious verse that many people find a lot of comfort in. But I want to highlight that verse as a time where we need to 
get tanned. We, we need to apply this method because it, we shouldn't just, oh, I saw that verse on a card once and that sounds really cool. So that's my new life verse. God has a plan for me, for a hope and a future. I like the sound of that. And we do that without any thought to what was God saying through Jeremiah to the people in exile. And what I want to argue to you uh, is I think if we really apply the tan method, verses like this don't become less precious. They become more precious to us. So let's think about it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Well, then, clearly there's a context. Jeremiah is writing to the people in exile. And specifically, the verse before that says, hey, when the 70 years are up, I'm going to bring you back to Jerusalem. And that is the context that God knows the plans he has for them, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So that's the then. God is making clear statements to clear people in a clear context with clear meaning, saying, hey, people in exile, I'm not going to leave you in exile forever. After 70 years, I am going to bring you back. That is the, the future and the welfare that I have in mind for you. So we want to be clear. This promise was not made to 21st century Christians. This is a specific promise made to Jews living in exile in Babylon. So let's not just copy and paste this to make this my life verse without any thought to that. But what I want to now show you is that doesn't mean, well, oh, bummer. You just ruined a beautiful verse for me, Pastor Ben. Now I, now, now I don't think that God has a plan for me and I don't think I have a hope in a future anymore. No, that's not what we should think either. Like I'm saying, we'll actually find this to be more precious. So we know what it means then, but think about what it means always. This is telling us God keeps his promise. God keeps all of his promises. And even, I think we, we do see God cares about his people. And God does care for the good of his people. We see a specific expression of it here, but we see God's heart coming through in this passage. We see he is a good God. He is a a God that loves his people. He is a God that keeps all of his promises. And so now we do get to the now, right? And this is where I think it will help us. Because if some people want to take this verse and even take welfare and kind of make this verse into somewhat of a mini prosperity gospel, hey, God, everything I'm going to do is going to prosper because God is for my my welfare, right? Meaning I'm going to be rich or whatever. Well, that's not a great application of this passage because that's not what God is saying. That's, That's not coming from those always principles. But I think there is so much meaning for us now that we can look at this passage and say, okay, I'm not a Jew in exile in Babylon, but I am a Christian. And this God that I am trusting in, he's the same God and he still loves his people He still keeps his promises. And so I can know, and even I I now have the New Testament and I have all scripture to put together. I can say, you know what? As a believer, I know I have a future and a hope. And my future and hope is not in returning to Jerusalem from exile in Babylon. My future and hope is in heaven with Christ forever. And the same God who made this promise, and spoiler alert, keeps this promise is the same God that I am trusting in. 
And so I think the rest of scripture can even help us fill in that, no, if I'm trying to take this verse now and use it as some kind of claim to prosperity and wealth, uh, no, I don't think that's a fair biblical application. But if I'm seeing, wow, this shows me that God keeps his promises and God cares about the future of his people and God has made other promises to to believers that I look at for a future and a hope in heaven. We're going to get to that in first Peter tomorrow. And I know that God will keep those promises. And so, yes, should Christians just not think at all about the context of Jeremiah 29, 11? No, we should. But does that mean that this, this amazing verse in scripture is irrelevant to us? Absolutely not. In fact, the more I think we dig in and understand where it's coming from, the more meaningful we find it and the more worship we can find for God because we find that God's faithfulness didn't start with us. God didn't give this promise to me. He gave this promise to people almost 2,700 years ago and he kept this promise because he is a promise keeper. We can trust him with the promises we know that he has made to us. So I hope that encourages you, even as winter and and fall are are coming on here and we'll see less and less of the sun, we can still get tan as we study and dig in to God's word together. And and now I want us to turn to Psalm 119, where today we look at verses 73 to 80. Yod is the, the Hebrew letter here. And I love how it starts in verse 73, your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. It's almost as if he's saying, God, you designed me. You made me. Now help me to live life the way that you've designed it to be lived. And I love then some of the things that come up. Let your steadfast love comfort me. In verse 76, let your mercy come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. And I think even those things, talking about God's faithfulness, his steadfast love, his mercy, those help us understand Jeremiah 29, 11, that God, that the expression that we see of God towards specifically those people in exile do speak, I think, of how God feels about his people more generally. He is faithful. He is full of steadfast love and mercy. He's going to have a plan for you that is a hope and a future. So we see these things, but again, the cry of the psalmist here is, God, I want to follow you. I want to live life as you have designed it. And that is a pretty cool thing. Uh, Now let's shift to the New Testament and Briefly touch on our passages there, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Now, there are some interesting things in this passage, talking about praying for those that are sick, people being healed, confessing our sins. And what I want you to encourage you to do is not to get kind of caught in the weeds of what does this all mean. Um, I can think we can, sometimes it's hard to understand even some of the things in this verse. So I encourage you, lean in in this passage to what we know it means. And one thing we clearly see in this passage is the power of prayer, the power of prayer. And here it talks about prayer even in the context of healing. And I think one thing I would warn you, it does not mean this whole prayer of faith. Um, I don't think it means that, hey, if you have just enough faith, you will be healed, right? Because if that were true, I think some people would have figured it out and they would perpetually be healed and be living forever. That hasn't, that clearly hasn't happened. And I think that can even be spiritually abusive to people to suggest to them that the problem of why they haven't been healed is that they just don't have enough 
faith. And now on top of whatever physical pain and suffering they're in, now they have the spiritual turmoil of feeling guilty that they don't have enough faith. And I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. But the Bible does clearly teach that prayer is a powerful thing and it gives us that example of Elijah. So we might not know all the answers to what this passage is saying, but we do know prayer is powerful and we want to be people of prayer. And that actually ties in with what we see here in this story at the end of John chapter four, which one thing that really stood out to me in studying this passage when we were going through the gospel of John is this official kind of wants to, he's used to being in charge and Jesus doesn't really work with that. Jesus asserts his authority by telling the man to go and his son will live. And this is in John chapter four, verses 46 through 54. And really this kind of puts this guy on the spot because now he has to leave and he has to go back home and he has to do it with nothing but Jesus's word. Jesus doesn't perform any sign to convince this man. He just tells him, hey, go and your son will live. And he has to take Jesus at his word. Well, let's take Jesus at his word today with what we see in James chapter five. And let's believe that prayer is powerful and let's devote ourselves to it because we have a God who listens. We have a God who keeps his promises. We have a God that we can understand as we dig into God's word, as we ask good questions and we look at what did it mean then? What is always true? How does this apply now? Let's take God at his word and let's live that out together. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Mm -hmm.